Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The need you did not have met tends to be your biggest fear in a relationship. Uh. Welcome to Habits You Love, a thought-provoking podcast about self-love, self-healing, and spiritual evolution. I'm Kayla Fazio, and with each episode, it is my mission to expand your mind to what you think is possible for you and provoke thoughts of looking at your own healing you may need and help you discover the power you have within you to build healthy habits and create a life you love. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Habits You Love. We are going to be blessed with the presence of Habits You Love on Staff Therapist, Miss Morgan. You have changed your last name since the last time we talked, right? I have. Yes, quite the change. I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. If you don't mind, do you want to share your new last name or we can totally keep that? Yes, it will be McNeil. So I will formally be Morgan McNeil. Oh, yay. So you got married recently. How did did all that go? It was in Mexico and there was a tropical storm coming the day of. So that naturally induces a little bit of anxiety since it was an all outdoor wedding. But someone was listening and blessed us with no rain that day. Um, So it really all ended up working out the way the way we hoped and the way, you know, we wished it would. So it it all fell together well, but that weather will, it'll induce some anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What did it rain before and after like the days before and after it, it drizzled like a couple days before and like a couple, it's just like a little bit drizzle wedding day, but the forecast was pretty much like a hundred percent chance of like thunder and lightning, like real tropical storm weather. So we were like, you know, we, this isn't like a, a sunshine drizzle. This is a whole storm. So just seeing that radar, it coming in, it was, yeah, but oh. I don't know. Somehow it passed, somehow it, it totally didn't not affect the wedding. So it all, it all worked out really well. I've actually, I've never heard of anyone's wedding being ruined by rain, but I always hear very close calls. So I'm like, maybe like the gods just, you know, keep everyone safe on their wedding day. I don't know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just a little bit of anxiety and then it all smooths out. <laughs> yes. Well, congrats. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. So new new name, but um, Morgan is a therapist out in Phoenix, Arizona at Evolve Therapy Clinic. So we'll put more about her in the show notes if you haven't um, had a chance to listen to our episodes. But we are kind of on this little mini series of attachment styles. We have talked about one in episode 71, which was on anxious attachment. And there are four major attachments styles, three of which are insecure. So we're 
kind of starting with the three and secure and then finishing out with a bang with the secure <laughs> attachment. And so we're going to do another insecure attachment style today. And we chose this one because I think I have a little bit of personal history. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just so crazy to research these. I mean, it really is very close to being so spot on. So we are going to talk about avoidant attachment style today. So if you want to go back and listen to episode 71 on my podcast, where you can hear all about anxious attachment, you can hear the signs, how it develops, kind of where it came from, um, and how you can start to work towards more of that secure attachment and even learning more about secure attachment and why we need to be securely attached in relationships and everything else. That is the episode to do so. But we will go ahead and move on to avoidant. So I'm exposing myself here, but it's all right. That's what we're here for. Vulnerability, courage, bravery. We got to do it all. So just referencing back to what was that case study called that we referenced last time about the... the case study with the um, babies? Yes. Yes. Oh, I don't remember the exact title of the study, but um, if you want me to give a little bit of summary, I'm definitely happy to do so. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I can research it really quick, but I was going to go back, just kind of give a summary of what that little experiment study was about and how it kind of created these different attachment styles and how previously we had talked about anxious. And during that study, this is when the parents would leave their child in a room for a certain amount of time. So this is a whole experiment they had going on. And it was kind of to determine what do the babies do and how do they react whenever their caregivers are not there. And so the anxious attached was when the parents left and came back, they received some sort of comfort. The children would be like, okay, okay, that feels good. I feel comforted again. But then the children would also, quote, punish them for being gone, um, whether they would act out or whatever. So that was the anxious attachment kind of determination. The avoidant attachment, what we're going to talk about today is this is when the parents left the room and the children didn't seem to care or seem to be affected by them leaving whatsoever. And actually the same whenever the parents would come back into the room. So it was like, eh, I don't really care if you left. I don't really care that you're back. The children made no effort to be comforted by the parent. So they didn't like run up to the parent and be like, oh my gosh, I missed you. Hold me, hug me. So the children kind of went out of their way to keep playing almost as if to say like, I'm going to let you know that I'm avoiding you. So I don't have to experience whatever it is that I don't know how to communicate or to verbalize. So this, that's kind of the foundation upon what where it, it's set and where it comes from. And there's a whole lot more of how it can develop, but we will get into that today. Avoidant attachment. I'm just going to go over a couple of bullet points of signs that you might be an avoidant attachment style, may have developed this from childhood. Um, and these are like the current signs that you maybe using, experiencing, you're like, oh my gosh, I do all of these things. So maybe a little deeper dive into looking to see if you are avoidant attachment. So here are a couple of bullet points, and then we can talk about it with Morgan and she can give us her expertise on them all. So a couple of them are 
You might ghost or withdraw in relationships when they become too close. Deeply desires connections, though doesn't know how to actually connect. So you like crave connection so bad, but then when you actually have the chance to do it, you don't know how. You might end a relationship abruptly if your needs aren't met. You have unrealistic expectations of partners, like they should be able to read your mind and read your needs at all times. You can be highly critical and you can lack empathy and struggles to understand the needs of others. Oof, pretty heavy stuff. Absolutely. So I will say this is how I was <laughs> for a long time. And you know what kind of does suck a little bit is that unfortunately, like I can't ask my mom about my childhood and I don't really have that relationship with my dad where I can go back and be like, so how was I as a child? And did I not care when you guys came back in the room? Did I avoid you? But I know that I developed these behaviors, I guess. And this is how I was. And up until a couple of years ago when I, I, and I actually, what's funny is I didn't even study attachment styles. I didn't learn about them. And I'd be like, oh, what's mine? I'm going to fix it. I think I just naturally started to fix it as I was healing myself and healing my trauma and everything else. And I kind of think it just got sorted out where I do feel like I'm kind of, I'm more secure, but I'm a little, still a little bit avoidant, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I appreciate you just being honest about that. And it is so difficult to not really kind of have that experience to go back to the root and explore it and understand it a little bit more. There is in a, in a really great book, it is, I will send it to you to attach, but it really talks about what secure enough is. And I love that term because we, it's almost like perfectionism, right? Like we're never going to be fully perfectly secure. We're all going to have a little bit of these attributes based on our life experience that have shaped this. But I think secure enough is such a great term because as we work to secure attachment, we're going to have these moments where we're triggered. I want to kind of go back to some old patterns, but us being aware about it and making that effort to secure is really what matters. And being secure enough with a partner is is the biggest part. So I love that term secure enough. I think it's so key when talking about this. And it sounds like that's really what you're discussing is that sometimes you see these patterns come up, but you are in such a more secure place to where you can have these healthy relationships and see, see your patterns change. Yes. I love that. I've never heard that phrase a secure enough. I'm going to get a tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that inspires the next tattoo. (laughs) It's tattooed. It's It has to be forever. So, but yeah, no, that's great. I would love to have you send me that book, whatever you got that from, but um, that's the goal, right? That's the goal of even learning about attachment styles is to eventually work our way to secure attachment. So what is your, do you have any experience with avoidant attachment, maybe in your own life and your clients and in your work? I mean, where do you really see this being developed from? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Do I have experience with avoidant attachment? So this is an interesting part. And this is me also getting vulnerable and sharing in anxious attached person, which is what I closely align with, is naturally attracted to avoidant attachments. And avoidants are naturally attracted to anxious. And we could do a whole episode on 
on kind of what that anxious avoidant trap is and what that dance is, that kind of cycles. Um, so in my personal life, that I feel was my natural, um, before I was aware of attachment styles, that was my natural attraction and those individuals that I was naturally attracted to. So romantically, I have a lot of experience, have a ton of experience clinically and just in my personal life, right? We've talked about this, like once you're aware of attachment styles, you can kind of pick that up in family members, friends, loved ones, coworkers, et cetera. But it's really formed in a couple different ways. As we know, the attachment styles are formed in our formative years of childhood. And I really see this come up with more authoritarian, strict parents. These strict parents really sometimes are emotionally distant. And what that then teaches the kiddo is that they can't lean into others to get their emotional needs met. So it just indirectly teaches them that it is not safe to lean on others and it's not safe to communicate your emotions because it won't be met with love, support, and care. That might be more of the approach of the parent telling you like, kind of the classic term of like, just toughen up, just handle it, or they're just not going to respond in a way that it feels helpful. So you kind of, again, indirectly learn that doesn't feel good when I go to that person. So I'm just going to kind of handle it on my own. Also the expectation from the parent to be independent. So if they're really encouraging that independence and kind of teaching that lessons of we don't lean on others, this is something that you're supposed to regulate on your own. And that's more of the lessons that they are teaching and exhibiting in the home, that individual and that child is going to learn it's safer to be independent. Also, it's better to be independent. That's my strength is that I'm independent. So sometimes parents are reinforcing it without maybe even realizing that oh my gosh, my kiddo's so independent. He handles things on his own. He doesn't show his emotions. So sometimes it's praised and rewarded of that level of independence, you know, not seeking emotional safety. They're not displaying their emotions in a way where it needs to be taken care of. And to some parents, that's that's a strength, that's an asset. So they're going to praise it, which just reinforces that behavior. All of that is so spot on. I definitely inadvertently learned that from my mother. She was super hyper independent, never wanted to ask for help. Thought of that as a weakness, like I'm going to just do everything on my own. So yeah, you you hit the nail on the head with every single one of those examples because you basically covered all of the bullet points that I had written down for how we develop avoidant attachment. And I'll just kind of go over some of them. Um, these are what I had written down of kind of my research with how we develop being an avoidant attachment. So one is caregiver shuts down regularly. So this is like the silent treatment or disassociation, whether they just completely blatantly ignore you or they just kind of space out from the situation. My caregiver tends to be a lone wolf and withdraws when they have stress or difficult emotions. The caregiver is icy or appears detached or unconcerned with child's experience of the world. A caregiver shames a child or doesn't accept part of who they are. Then the last one is a perfectionist or authoritarian styles of caregiving. Mm -hmm. So you really covered all of those basically. (laughs) Yeah. And as an adult, kind of going back to the praise, these individuals have a really tough time with leaning into therapy. Sometimes I find because they are taught of like, I should just be handling this myself. And they're not used to expressing their emotional needs and having someone meet that with love, care, and interest, right? So they're, I feel like a little bit, 
more apprehensive to lean into the attachment work because again, independence is raised. It's a strength. They're proud of how independent they are and um, how confident they are in that independence. So it's really seen as a strength rather than sometimes you see with the anxious attachment, like a little bit more awareness of like, oh, I, I can sense that this is maybe um, a trigger or creating some unhealthy patterns in my relationship. It's, I think, a little bit easier to be aware of that and kind of lean out and set boundaries than to learn how to be so emotionally vulnerable and how to lean on others and kind of depend on others for emotional safety. That's really difficult. So the attachment work for avoidant, I feel like there is a lot of apprehension to lean into it just because it it really goes against all these beliefs and these protective barriers you have with yourself. Yeah, I would say I was just thinking of how parallel dependence and security is like really the road to to secure attachment is the road to not needing to be so independent, if that makes sense of how I'm saying it. It's like now you can admit that your independence is actually not so much a sign of a strength. So it's like a parallel between I'm really going to heal that hyper independence and I'm going to let my guard down and I'm going to ask for help and I'm going to let other people help me. And that I feel like when you do that, you build more to that secure attachment. And I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but that's just what I was picturing in my head as you were saying it. Absolutely. 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 And I think such an important part too, for like um, someone who aligns with avoidant attachment style is to understand that being secure or secure enough still requires the comfortability with being independent, right? Like that is what you're trying to teach in anxious attachment styles. Like, Hey, it's okay to have some independence and to be alone and set some boundaries and self-regulate. So you're kind of just finding that happy medium of it's okay to still have a sense of independence, but at the same time, like finding that balance to lean on others in times of need and get emotionally close to people without self-sabotaging it. So knowing that there's, it's not all or nothing. It's not black and white. There's this, there's this happy medium that we can reach as well. So you already started off with being secure enough. Do you think it's possible to just fully be secure? Do you think everyone's always going to have a little bit of a insecure attachment, just a little bit like tacked onto them as well with secure. I think it depends on the individuals they have grown up with for sure. If um, you go and do the attachment project assessment, the PDF report that they give you, it's really cool. And I know you have experience with this. It maps out each caregiver and like maybe a romantic partner and kind of where they're plotted on this chart. Like, do they lean in certain directions? So I think we can be secure, but have those attributes based on our loved ones and our caregivers based on their attachment style. Cause it might lean towards one direction mm-hmm. or another, your romantic partner, you might be a little bit more anxious, but with a parent, maybe a little bit of an avoidant tendency, but still at your base, you're secure. So a long-winded way to say, yes, secure, but have some um, different attachment styles, if you will, with different individuals. Interesting. And that all might depend on their attachment style. Yep. They have to know theirs. So you can know theirs. (laughs) (laughs) Navigate these crazy emotions that we're all dealing with. Um, Yes, I did take the test. I put it on my, I put it on my Instagram. It did say I was securely attached. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it. What a feeling that must have been. <laughs> but I didn't, I guess I didn't go far enough into reading about this PDF. So I have to go back and look at it. Maybe they emailed me the PDF afterward. Yeah, it's really interesting. So for anyone who takes it, you just like put in your email once you get your result and they'll send a more lengthy report, if you will. And on that is this like four grid chart of all the attachment styles. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating because based on all of your answers, it will show where that person is. So it'll show your romantic partner, what attachment style and your parents and kind of where you stand with that. So it's it's definitely a more in-depth look on which way you lean depending on your loved one and caregiver. So cool. I'm going to go back and do that. I'm going to put that link in the show notes again. That was the attachment project, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to put that back in there. It was really interesting. I liked it. And then that just reminds me of what you said earlier, how usually how an anxious person somehow attracts to an avoidant person. And Tyler and I are, you know, navigating some things and we're, we decided to read this relationship book and it's really good. And it it basically said that, but in a different way, it was talking about your upbringing, obviously. And the way it described it was if you were overwhelmingly parented, like if you were, what's the word? I'm Uh, trying to find the word too, but it sounds like just like that overwhelming, almost like micromanaged, constantly hovering, helicoptering, if you will. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. I'm having pregnancy brain like no other lately. (laughs) Um, So it was that and how, and then going to a person that wasn't like, they were very loosey goosey. They were very like, kind of just do whatever Uh you want. And how those people, it literally said those people tend to marry each other. So it basically said an anxious person will marry an avoidant person without saying those words. So just all different kinds. Absolutely. And that I think we're both having a little bit of like brain farts today. Thank God it's Friday. But that book I was referring to about secure enough is called Wired for Love. And it's really great because it really talks about you as a couple, like your attachment style, but it's really, really digestible and approachable. And it's just a really light, great read. Um, And it really dives into like how to pair two different attachment styles together and create what's like this couple bubble and how to get secure enough. So it's, I like it because it's, if you understand your attachment style, it's kind of like that next step of like, okay, how do we mesh these attachment styles Mm. well together and get to a point where even though we had different upbringings, even though we have these different patterns, how do we form this together to, to be a healthy relationship? So that's the book. Does it say anything anywhere about what happens if you do mate with someone the same? Like you're double, like you're double positive, <laughs> like you're double anxious, double avoidant. Yeah. yeah I, I would be curious. To, I it feels I'm, rare. Yeah. It feels very rare that I feel like that occurs because you kind of have to think about like two avoidance. Where does that go? Right. Like a double paired up avoidant. You would never talk. <laughs> <laughs> or the like two anxious attachment styles. Like that is not what anxious attachment styles are typically like what they find attractive and what blends for them. So it is is very rare. So as far as my knowledge, I would love to dive deep, but like, I feel like a lot of the research is typically of what we're typically seeing as far as like what each attachment style attracts and how that works. Um, again, like to avoidance it, that's not what an avoidant typically finds attractive and appealing. So and truly where would that relationship go? So totally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, you always have to connect with 
a different style than what you are. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know you're anxious and you meet someone and you can quickly, and you know the attachment styles and you can quickly decipher whether or not someone is avoidant, it's like, oh, well, maybe we're meant to be together. (laughs) That's like a first sign of being together. Yes. Um, I will say too, I feel like a common belief um, and kind of to go back what I said of like, it would never go anywhere with two avoidance is right. This is like on a spectrum as far as your symptoms and your traits of an attachment style and avoidance are capable of getting into relationships. There is that avoidant part of the attachment style where maybe that does feel so big and scary and there is self-sabotaging before it even gets to a commitment level. But there is also this part of avoidant attachment where these individuals are getting into relationships, but that avoidance might be of like, how emotionally close are you, right? Does this feel like it's still surface level in this relationship or are you able to get really emotionally, intimately close. And also when conflict comes up and arises in the relationship, how they handle the conflict. So I think those are two key parts too, is that the avoidant is capable of getting into a relationship, but when there is difficulty, when there's kind of that next steps in the relationship, how are they handling conflict and emotional intimacy? Yeah. Because the first bullet point I said was just, you might ghost or withdraw uh, when they become too close or kind of like you said, when there becomes a conflict, when it's like, oh, this is like a serious, heavy thing that I don't want to have to deal with. So I'm actually just going to leave the situation altogether, which was my (laughs) go-to. It's completely like, oh, this is awkward. I'm going to (laughs) leave. Oh yeah, God. Absolutely. That difficulty kind of going back to like the root of it, that difficulty to learn how to like safely have that emotional connection, right? And like lean on others if they're feeling distressed. So that's how it might present if you are in a relationship with an avoidant, that difficulty to kind of lean in. Yeah. So we've we've gone over the signs that you may be avoidant currently. Maybe this is provoking your thoughts to take a deeper look. I'm not saying with this episode you're gonna get all the information that you need to start the healing process. I just think it's a good like stepping stone into, okay, I'm going to take a deeper look at this. We have a couple of these references. We have the attachmentproject.com, which I'll put in the show notes. We have the Wired for Love book, which I'll put in the show notes. The book that Tyler and I are reading is called Get the Love You Want. Sounds similar to Wired for Love, but this is really just a kickoff point into being like, okay, wow, I have all of those bullet points that she said of what I currently do. Um, And then after reading the development of anxious detachment, my caregiver, whoever that was, we can't specifically say your mom, your dad, this is whoever was looking over you a majority of the time. Um, This could even be like even like a teacher or like if you went to daycare most of your life, you know, so whoever was just responsible for you most of the time was regularly shuts down. Like they just give you the silent treatment. It's like, you cannot express what you want to say. And they also cannot either. They tend to withdraw when they have stress or difficult emotions. I think the one that sticks out for me the most is the perfectionistic or authoritarian style of caregiving. And that goes back to like the helicopter overwhelming like you're all up in my business all the time, constantly hovering and micromanaging me. So that is the one that sticks out to me the most. And 
that's kind of what I was raised with. But the purpose of this and this episode and these conversations is to get our minds on what we currently are and then kind of like the road to secure attachment. So going back to that original case study that we talked about, which I still don't know the name of it, but I'm going to find it and put it in the show notes. The definition of secure attachment, what they got from this when the parents would leave the child in the room was children who experience discomfort at first. So the parents would leave and they'd be like a little rattled, but they soon settled down. And then when the parents came back, they kind of just assumed back to a sense of normalcy. So there wasn't like a complete blow up, you know, there wasn't a meltdown. Um, And then when they came back, it was like, okay, great, you're back. And so you can just feel like how secure that feels, you know, it's like. Mm -hmm. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. A little uncomfortable you left me, but I trust that you're going to come back. I trust you're consistent. Um, and you come back and then like, okay, back, we're back to normal again. So that's kind of how your adult life should look with any situation, with any situation, like a breakup, a fight, a job, a a friendship, you know, just uncomfortable situations. Like they shouldn't take you out completely where you're like having a meltdown, like a tantrum, like a child would, you know? So that is really kind of what I picture when I picture secure attachment, I just picture like someone who can get flustered for a little bit, but then they return to a sense of normalcy fairly quickly. And that's like what I've had to work on because in the past it would just be like, I don't know, something would bother me for days, weeks, and it would like really get to me. But now it's like, I can get over it pretty quickly. That makes sense. I don't know what your, like what you envision as being secure is, but... Yeah, absolutely. Those were great examples. And just kind of to build off of that, secure attachment is someone who, one, is okay with being alone, but that's not their survival mechanism, right? It's not, they're not independent because they have to. They can be alone and feel secure and feel safe. They don't need someone else to make them happy or feel fulfilled or have their needs met. However, if an individual did come in the picture, they're really able to lean in emotionally, find safety and security in that relationship, not depend on them to have their needs met, but be able to rely on them to express their emotions and have that person be receptive to their emotions and feel comfortable with getting to an emotional, intimate level. I think these individuals to um, respond well to boundaries. They're able to implement boundaries comfortably. They are able to have these tough conversations and not avoid conflict. And kind of to just lightly touch on disorganized attachment, secure versus disorganized, that person is going to look at their romantic partner, uh, other individuals as a safe person. Rather disorganized, you're not sure if you want to lean in because getting close to someone is also your biggest source fear. So I think secure is really just this well-balanced, grounded individual who views relationships as safe and they're also consistent with their own behaviors. And I think you highlighted consistency and that's such a good point is sometimes our parents do have secure attributes, but if it's not consistent throughout our childhood, we're receiving these mixed messages, which creates 
that insecurity. So just being secure and consistent is also such a great attribute of secure attachment. Absolutely. I'm so glad I'm learning all this before I have a human being. Yes, it truly is the perfect timing as you're growing the little one. (laughs) Yes. I am like, what do I got to do to make this kid securely attached from birth? (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to definitely do a whole episode on secure attachment, but just like a couple of bullet points I wanted to throw out since we are trying to work our way up to that. And every single episode we do, we're going to kind of touch on it is how to develop secure attachment is And even if maybe if you're a parent right now, this is kind of actually more towards parents or people that want to have kids and you just, you know, you want your kid to be secure in in who they are and and be consistent in their lives. So you would be open, predictable, and consistent. You have clear boundaries and honors and respects the child's boundaries as well. And the child feels safe and comfortable with you expressing themselves and their feelings. There's clear communication and working through conflict is modeled at the home. The caregiver is emotionally resilient and the caregiver stays connected to the child and does not shame them. So that is complete opposite of avoidant, I feel like. You're not wrong. Uh, (laughs) And those are all great points. And I love that. And I, I highly recommend far as like one, just first the awareness of just identifying the attachment styles gives you so much clarity and answers before working to secure attachment. And I I think just highlighting your beliefs and your experiences with your parents and what need was not met and what need was not met tends to be your biggest fear in a relationship. So I think just really being able to acknowledge it, highlight that, and just have that awareness is really the best step to working towards that. Uh, Say that again. That quote you just said, it was so good. The need you did not have met tends to be your biggest fear in a relationship. Uh, That is so good. That needs to be the title of this episode. (laughs) Just kidding. And also a part of your new tattoo, apparently. (laughs) Yes. That'll be the subtitle underneath. Yes. Secure enough. My needs are met. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that was so good. We kind of did a little spitfire episode for you today on avoidant attachment. Again, um, I'll link all the references and resources we talked about here in the show notes. And um, again, just really, this is just to get you a little interested in what what you might be dealing with yourself um, and your relationships and your life and and everything in between and um, to work towards that secure attachment. If we were all securely attached in this world, it would be a much better place, I must say. It would be. (laughs) So habits you love is going to be responsible for that. (laughs) I'm glad to take on that responsibility with you. Yes, yes. And you. All right, Morgan, with a new last name. Congratulations again. Thank you for taking the time to be consistent on coming on these episodes. And I very much appreciate you. Of course. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you later. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.